Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together. Uh, it's great to see all of you, Juan. And is it Henny? Henny Storm? I think you're, uh, you may be a new uh, new participant here. I don't recognize that name from the past. And Keith and Rob and Nathan and Lewis. How great is this? So Henny, again, I hope I'm saying that correctly, says, good morning from South Africa. And Rob is in, if I remember correctly, UK. Is that right? Nathan's in Canada. Lewis, I believe, is in Canada. Ron, I forget forget where you are. How, how amazing is this that we can study God's word together from all over the world? Oh, what a great day to be alive. Technology. Lord is... Lord is blessing us, isn't he? How great is this? Wonderful. Well, glad to have you all with us, uh, Nathan, all of you. Thanks for uh, joining us. We're in Hebrews, and we're in chapter 11, and it is, it's a great chapter. Uh, we, we rave about it. We call it the Hall of Faith, uh, but how often do we actually slow down and ponder the extraordinary faith of these men and women listed in chapter 11, and then compare that to ourselves. So remember, the, uh, the chapter begins with this statement, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. So faith, trusting God, is having expectations. Remember, we've talked about hope in the Bible is not just a mere wish, but it's it's something that uh, you are expecting from God. You're expecting God to do promises that he has made. So faith is is being sure of that and living in light of that certainty. And he says here, it's the conviction, things that you can't see, but you are holding fast in your trust in God. You're, you're believing God. Remember we talked about the difference between believing in God and believing God. We all believe in God. Do we believe him? Do we, do we trust him? So as we get started this morning or afternoon or evening, depending on where you are in the world, are you trusting God? Do you have an expectation of something that you have good reason to believe? that God is, has promised to you, that he's doing, that he will do? And are you holding fast? And this gets difficult, I know, because there are certain things that the, the people in the Bible that we read about, you know, they had a direct promise from God that they were holding on to. But we've also seen, uh, or we will, we'll see today even, that uh, not every act, of faith is tied to a direct promise. So in some cases, it's uh, trusting more generally based on past promises, that kind of thing. So anyway, my, my question is for all of us to just kind of ponder here, are you doing anything that requires you to trust God? I don't want to get too more specific than that because, you know, that's that's somewhat personal to each individual. But we need to live in faith and believing that he's going to do what he said. He's going to bless his people. Are you his people? 
<laughs> then he loves you and he's he's wants to use you to accomplish things in this world for his kingdom, for his glory, for your good, for the good of others. Are, are you doing anything that requires you to trust him? Are you are you are there things that you can't see that you are trusting him for? And remember what he says in chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is not just that original faith, that original belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It, it, it's a whole life. This is, this is for the person who does believe. And now as we're living in light of that truth of Jesus, we want to please him. And the writer says, you can't please him if you don't trust him, if you're not acting in faith. For the one who comes to God, that's you and me, right? We've come to God, must believe that he is. Well, of course, we believe that he is. That's why we came to him. And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Are you believing that God will reward you as you seek him? I don't know. I, I just continue to think through this as we go through this chapter 11 and think, okay, Lord, where do I see that I need to trust you for today and tomorrow and the next day and future days? All right. So let's get back to the text. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. Now, that's interesting. You go back and look. Uh, this is in that uh, that story, the famous story where Jacob deceives Esau. Esau is the firstborn. He should have received the firstborn blessing. But Jacob tricks him. I remember Isaac is blind and Jacob's mother uh, comes in and says, here, put on the goat skin and all that. To, to uh, It's in Genesis 27, if you want to go back and look at that. And Isaac blessed Jacob thinking he was blessing Esau and gave him the firstborn blessing and said, may your brothers bow down to you and the dew of heaven be yours and, and all these great blessings uh, to make Jacob into a great people that would rule over his brothers. And then Esau comes in later and says, you know, here I am, father, bless me. And he said, wait, I already gave your blessing to Jacob. He does bless Esau and he speaks about the future. But of course, Esau uh, had already thrown away his firstborn blessing for a bowl of soup early in his life. I'm not going to take the time to go back there. You, it'd be worth your time to read Genesis 27, and then when uh, when God bless or uh, Isaac blesses Esau, but Isaac trusted God to fulfill what He spoke over his two sons here, and then Jacob, by faith, Jacob as he was dying. So Jacob has his twelve sons. He blessed each one of them. And here he says he blessed the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. You remember that from Genesis 47? He's, he's uh, bowed down. That's what the word worship here means. Uh, bowing down, leaning on his staff. And he takes Joseph's sons. And you've got the interesting back and forth where uh, his right hand is on the, the second born. And well, he, he, yeah, he switches his hands. And Joseph says, no, no, flip it. And Jacob says, no, no, this way. Anyway. Go back and read that. But again, Jacob now pronounces a blessing on these two sons of Joseph about their future. This is Ephraim and Manasseh. And he trusted God, that God would fulfill these things. There's a, a prophetic element 
as these men blessed their sons. And then we have Joseph by faith. Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Remember that story. Joseph is the one who God used to bring the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob, down to Egypt. And, and it, was, it was a great blessing of God to, to prepare them for the famine and, and take care of them during the famine. And they grew into a mighty nation over time, right? Well, Joseph, as he was dying, said, but the promised land, the, God, the land God promised to Abraham, his grand, great-grandfather, was not this land in Egypt. It was the land, what we call the Canaan's land, the land that God showed Abraham. That's the land. He says, so when we go back there, you take my bones, I don't want to stay buried here in Egypt. You take my bones back and bury me there in the land God promised to Father Abraham. Imagine that. He's dying. He knows this is not going to happen during his lifetime. But he trusts the promise of God. So he says, take my bones back there. I do not want to stay buried here in Egypt. He believed. Things unseen things that he expected, that he hoped for because God had promised. He had faith. All right, so then we get into Moses. And oh, what a man of faith Moses was. He had his weaknesses, his downfalls like everybody does, all the men of the Old Testament, all of us. But he showed some pretty extraordinary faith. But first we have the faith of his mother. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So you remember that story. Pharaoh was uh, wanting to kill. He'd given orders to kill all the, the male Hebrews, the boys who were born. And Moses' parents, his mom, gave birth to Moses. And she wasn't going to kill him. And of course, the Hebrew midwives, remember that story, they wouldn't kill them either. And so now they get this baby boy and they know they're going to get discovered and that Pharaoh's going to have this baby killed. So they weave together that basket and send little baby Moses out on the water, in the river. Now, what kind of faith is that? They trusted God. Now, did, had God promised to save Moses? Did they have a, a word from God, a direct promise that your baby will be saved? See, this is where, I, I, this is helpful for me, for us, because we, we don't always have direct promises and circumstances of what God's going to do, do we? And yet we generally know that God blesses obedience he rewards those who seek him. And certainly in the, the case of Moses' parents, if they trusted the promises to Abraham, then they knew that God generally had purpose and plan for, for his people. So all that together, they said, we, we are not going to let our baby boy be killed. Now we're going to put him out here and I, it's not exactly a safe thing to 
put a little baby in a basket and float it out in a, on a river. There, there might be some cre- creatures and critters out there that uh, would that would eat it or turn it over, or maybe the wind blows and it overturns and the baby drowns, or you know, all kinds of things could happen. But they said, no, we're going to entrust our baby boy to God. So by faith, they hid that baby and put it out in the basket. And what happened? God had one of the Pharaoh's daughters see the baby, bring it, raise it as its own, brings uh, Moses' mother to be the nurse, and just a beautiful display of God's providence in all of that. They were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, remember who the writer of Hebrews, who his audience is. A group of Jews who have converted to Christ, and now they are tempted to go back to Judaism because of the uh, opposition, the persecution they're experiencing. And the writer here says, Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's edict. They were not afraid of the ramifications here. They trusted God. And of course, the writer of Hebrews wants his audience to trust God, even in the face of persecution. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he's going up and he realizes he's not one of them. He's not Egyptian. He's a Jew. He's an Israelite. And he didn't want to be from the house of Pharaoh. And choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. If he stayed in Pharaoh's house, he would have been part of the Egyptian uh, sinful idolatry and so on. Nope, he's not going to enjoy all of that. He'd rather suffer as the Hebrews were. So considering the reproach of the Messiah, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Again, that's fascinating. How much did Moses know? How much did the the Hebrews know at this point? They knew the promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is this referring back to maybe um, Jacob blessing Judah and saying the scepter will not depart from you and the one from Shiloh is coming, that kind of thing? Um, Is the writer of Hebrews being more specific than than Moses understood and the people understood at the time, but now he's filling in the gaps because we know, I I don't know. But either way, he's saying here, Moses, when he realized God's hand, God's blessing was on his own people, said, I'm not going to stay here in the house of, of Pharaoh. I'm going to go and join my people. And whatever comes about there, whatever God has promised uh, for the Jewish people is better. His reward to the Jewish people is better than all the riches and and benefits that he had to being in Pharaoh's house. That's faith. He's giving up a life of ease and comfort and riches because he trusted God. He knew about the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Jacob's sons. How great is that? By faith, when he left Egypt... Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. God says, lead my people out. Moses says, I will. He's not afraid of Pharaoh because he trusts God. He endured. Now, it wasn't easy. 
There were some battles to do with Pharaoh. Pharaoh was making life hard. And Pharaoh had a lot of power. But Moses trusted God. And the things he couldn't see, like getting out of Egypt. <laughs> and, and where is he going to go? He's got to go through the desert. He couldn't see the promised land. He couldn't see where they were going. But he endured. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. Now, we're so familiar with the stories. But it is kind of strange when God says, I'm going to kill the firstborn of everyone in Egypt. And here's how you can be spared. You kill a lamb and put its blood on your doorpost. Seems rather strange. What's that got to do with anything? Moses trusted God. said, all right, we're doing this. We're going to put lamb's blood on the doorpost. We're going to have this Passover meal. And we're going to use unleavened bread. We're going to gather our things and we're going to be ready to run when he tells us to go. By faith, they passed through the walls of the Red Sea. I'm sorry, no walls. They passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Again, if you were raised in the church, you know this story. You may be singing songs about this story. We're so familiar with it, but think about what really is going on here. All right, so... You've, you've fled Egypt. You've seen God's miracles. You've seen the plagues. But you've also seen the wrath of Pharaoh. And now you're, you're leaving. You're, you're heading out. You've got a couple million people, uh, uh, estimates are. Uh, uh, so Moses is leading a couple million people out of Egypt. You don't exactly move that size of a crowd quickly. And then you get word that Pharaoh has changed his mind again. He is coming with his, his troops and uh, they are mad. And you find yourself at this sea. So you've got Pharaoh behind you, who's going to kill you all. And you've got a sea that you can't cross here in front of you. And God says, Moses, just put your hands up. <laughs> and I'm going to part the waters and, and the wind comes and blows the sea. I, I always think of this. Have you been, have you been to an, uh, one of those giant aquariums? Uh, I know here in the U S and several cities like Denver and Houston and other places they have it. Do they have it in, I don't know, they have those in UK or uh, Canada or South Africa, anywhere where, you know, you can actually walk and you, you've got the glass walls where you can see. So you're walking among all the sea creatures, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Have you been to those or at least seen videos of them? I kind of envision that of thinking, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of fear, at least for me, as I'm surrounded by all this water and these creatures and think, you know, I hope, I hope these engineers <laughs> did their homework so they, you know, the glass is thick enough and it's designed such that uh, this water it is so heavy and the pressure is not going to collapse down on us and kill us all, drown us all. I kind of envision that, like you got the water piled up on both sides and God says, start walking. And in this case, you don't have the glass walls and ceiling. It's just, it's just the wind. It's just the, the miracle of the, the sea being 
uh, parted and you've got wall building up on walls of water building up on both sides. The wind comes through and dries the ground and God says, go walk through this. Would you do it? Of course, we'd all like to think, of course I would. I trust God. Would you do it? <laughs> it's, it's sort of this, you know, you're in, between a rock and a hard place. Like if I, if we don't go, Pharaoh's going to kill us, but we go there and this wind stops, we're all going to drown. But they trusted God. That's a lot of faith to start walking across the sea, knowing that if if the winds stop holding those those uh, the water up, it, it's going to drown us all. Because that's what happened, right? To the Egyptians, they came in after the Israelites, and they all drowned. That's trusting God. Had God promised them? Did they had they seen this kind of thing before? Now they'd seen the plagues. I mean, they, they had good reason to trust God here, but it takes a step of faith to get out there. Ken <laughs> says some of those deep sea creatures are ugly. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so do you trust God? Are you walking in faith today? Do you have any expectations of God today that are bigger than you? I think I've said this before, but it seems like as Christians today, especially those of us in sort of, if you want to put uh, conservative slash reformed slash types of, of Christianity, we can we can make faith simply about our religious traditions, our church traditions. Um, but we and we can be so afraid of um, becoming a prosperity gospel type, name it, claim it type. We you know we resist that; it's wrong. But we can fl- fall off the other side of the horse as well. And think that God stopped really doing anything after he wrote the Bible. Uh, we, God is doing stuff in the world. He's, 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 we have to trust him today. He's, James says, you have not because you ask not. Uh, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock the door will be open to you. And yes, there are some qualifications where we don't just, you know, ask merely for our own uh, pleasure. That's what James says, you have not because you ask not, and then you ask for your own pleasure. But are we attempting anything, striving for anything bigger than ourselves, bigger than our ability to see the end, bigger than things that we have the current ability to control? Are we seeking those things and trusting him? Are we trusting his blessing? Are we trusting him when Things don't add up. God generally says this, I'll do this. You know, I think of uh, some some friends that uh, would love to have uh, children. And that's what God says he wants us to do, right? Multiply, fill the earth. He's never rescinded that uh, that command. Uh, so you got a couple that uh, wants to have babies and they, they can't get pregnant. Now they don't, 
obviously uh, ever want to presume upon God, but they need to trust God and hold fast. And, and they can't see the way of getting pregnant, but trust God. Does that guarantee that that's his will? Of course not. We don't know his secret will until he reveals it. But they can at least say, okay, I know this is how God designed marriage to be. I know this is generally how he works. This is what he wants couples to do is multiply, have children. So we're going to trust him to give us a child. And, and uh, Ron says there, yeah, they needed faith the whole way through the Red Sea. It may, may be that God says, I'm going to test you for a while. I'm going to lead you through time of not being able to get pregnant. Or, and that's just one example. There, your situation may be different. And see, will you trust me all the way through? All the way through the Red Sea. All the way through this period of uncertainty. And then I will bless you with that. And again, that's just one example. But we, we need to... We need to dream bigger. We need to we need to set our sights on big goals for the kingdom of God and trust him as well as trusting him for the things that are hard and through the Red Seas, whatever Red Sea we might be going through right now. So think about it and seek the Lord and uh, remember Moses and all these great men uh, so far that we've looked at and, and women. And uh, let's... Imitate their faith and trust God today and for the future and uh, all the way to the end. All right, folks, have a great day. And Lord willing, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Take care.